Let me pray. Our Father, we recognise as we come to your word that uh, we are lacking in wisdom. And you say in uh, the letter from James that if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask you for it. And that's what we do now. We ask for your wisdom. We ask that you'd help us to understand your words and put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are the voices that are calling out to you? The voices that want you to pay attention to them. Just think for a moment, just over the course of your life, what are the key voices that have shaped your view of the world? Or your parents, inevitably, their values will have formed the basis of the way you think. Your siblings, your friends, certainly. How about your teachers or your university lecturers? Now, they definitely have something to say to you, don't they, about how you should think and how you should view the world and what you should do with your life. There are all sorts of voices out there, aren't there? They're calling for our attention. They're seeking to influence, seeking to convince us of a position or of a way of seeing the world. What are the slogans that our world has been chanting at us over the last few years? Well, the current one is Black Lives Matter, isn't it? That's been a great call for justice on our streets over the last few weeks. But if we just think back a few uh, months before, we may think of some other slogans. Do you remember this one? Leave or remain. Can you remember that far back? Seems a long time ago, doesn't it? The Brexit debate raged furiously, calls competing on either side, and every celebrity, every politician, every radio station or newspaper, every blog or social media website, voice after voice after voice, all seeking your attention, all seeking to persuade you of their view of the world, of what's right and what's wrong. And it can be very confusing, can't it? All these different voices. Yet we're all listening. We're all listening to someone or to many people. And they are shaping our view of the world and our view of our lives, our view of what's good and what's evil, our views of what will make society flourish and what will destroy it. And of course, some of these voices are going to be wise and speak truth, and some are going to be foolish, speaking falsehood. Who do you listen to? And how do you know who to listen to? Well, in the midst of the clamour and the multitude of voices calling out to us from the world, out of the pages of this wonderful book comes a clear and beautiful voice that rises above the others. A woman. And she calls to us. And wisdom is her name. Chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? She is God's wisdom personified. She calls for our attention 
and she is just the voice we need to listen to. She knows all things, she understands all things, and her voice will give us clarity over all the other voices. She'll draw us to herself, and then she'll lead us into the life of blessing that God has for us. We've actually met her once before, we've heard her before in chapter 2, and now she calls for our attention once more. Verses 1 to 11, they're an introduction in this great speech, and we learn several things about her uh, in this introduction. We learn where she is, we learn who she's speaking to, and she begins to explain why we should listen to her. Verse 2 and 3 show where she is. Does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals she cries aloud. Now for those of you who are listening last week, you may remember that there was another contrasting woman who spoke. And we met her in chapter 7, verse 5. She was the adulterous woman. She moved covertly in the dusk. She was inside the town and she spoke in the streets and in the marketplace and she was seeking to draw a young man into her house with seductive and deceitful speech. She was seeking to, to draw him into sexual sin and destruction. But here, woman wisdom, she stands in front of the town. She stands on the walls by the gates. She takes her place at the crossroads. That's the point of decision. So that her voice may be heard before those foolish errors are made. Who she speaks to comes next in verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Her call to listen to her is to all people, to the children of man. That includes everyone. Yet especially she calls to two kinds of people, to simple ones, or to the naive, to those who are easily led. And then she calls, perhaps surprisingly, to fools. Fools are those who do not fear the Lord, who don't know the Lord. She calls to all people, she calls especially to new or immature believers, but she also calls to unbelievers, those who have not trusted in the Lord. And now she gives us motivations to listen to her. Verse 6. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. She'll give it to you straight. What she says is true, verse 6 
verse 7. There's no fake news with God's wisdom. No spin, no distortion, no hidden agenda. It's straight up truth. Now isn't that appealing in our current world? God's wisdom, all that, all that his word says, it doesn't need a fact check before you can trust it. That's the claim here. Now isn't a voice that you can depend on worth its weight in gold in our current climate? If you could find a source like that, one which is utterly trustworthy on everything that's important in life, for this world and beyond, well, if you could find a voice like that, wouldn't that be a voice worth paying attention to? I think so. But maybe you're not yet convinced. The next section is the main body of the teaching after the introduction in this chapter, all the way from chapter, verse 12 to verse 31. Well, they seem to anticipate that, that we might need a bit more convincing. We might need convincing to listen to the wisdom of God in his word. Perhaps wisdom knows our hearts more than we recognise. It begins by anticipating the question, well, but, but why should we listen to her? Well, here's her answer, verse 12 to 21. God's wisdom says, I know how humanity can flourish. God's wisdom claims to know what is best for gaining a truly blessed life in this world. And so she begins, verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I notice here her moral character. It's not just that God's wisdom works. It does work. It is practical wisdom that will make a real-life difference uh, to the quality of your life. It does work to live by God's wisdom. But God's wisdom is primarily about living in righteousness. Choosing the right paths to take. Making decisions which please a holy God. Verse 13 picks up a familiar phrase. In all the wisdom literature in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is the key to being wise. We've seen that already in Proverbs. You'll find that in, in Job and in Ecclesiastes uh, as well. The fear of the Lord is the key to being wise. We can't get wise until we realise who God is and bow the knee to him. But look at what it says here. Here there's something added to what it means to fear him. Fearing the Lord means we hate evil. I want to spend just a little bit of time on this verse. We're very familiar and very comfortable with the God who loves. But our God is also a God who hates. He hates that which is evil. And therefore, the one who has God's wisdom, the one who fears the Lord, that is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they hate evil too. Do we hate evil 
when we see it? Do we hate racial evil? Do we hate sexual evil? These things have been much in our news over the last few weeks. Do we hate evil in these forms? Of course, there are loads of other evils in the world. Do we hate financial evil, the exploitation of the poor by the rich? Do we hate any and every injustice? Those who fear the Lord are not indifferent. They hate the abuse of the poor and the helpless. They hate pride and arrogance, that which sees itself as better than others. They hate perverted speech. That is, they hate those other voices out there that are persuading people into sin and are putting them under God's judgment. God's wisdom leads us to hate that which causes suffering and sin in our society. And I wonder about myself, do I hate what God hates? Perhaps I'm not as wise as I think I am. Conversely, God's wisdom leads us to love that which causes human flourishing. Solomon, who wrote this book, he was a wise king. God had given him that wisdom. And that wisdom he saw had equipped him to govern uh, his kingdom with justice. His kingdom flourished. In fact, it flourished so well, uh, it flourished like no other time in Israel's history. Life was better for everyone under Solomon's reign. And so he wants his sons, who are going to be kings after him, to be wise too. And look at how wisdom speaks to them now in verse 14. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honour are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. You see what? His point is, if Solomon's sons will embrace God's wisdom, they'll flourish. But not only that, their subjects will flourish too. Society will flourish as their leaders live by God's wisdom. Evil will be suppressed and everything will be better for everyone for it will be a kingdom of God's justice and righteousness for all. Wisdom knows what it takes for a people to live rightly under God's rule. She brings God's law to bear in a society so that we might flourish. If only we'll heed her counsel. And yet, of course, we don't do that, do we? And that's why she has to appeal to us. 
Why listen to God's wisdom? Because she knows how humanity can flourish. Now that may be enough to convince us to listen to her. But there may be another objection that comes to our minds. But what is her authority? It's been an interesting experience watching the government's uh, coronavirus briefings over the last few months. We've repeatedly heard this line, that it's important that we listen to the experts. Have you heard that? Listen to the experts. That sounds, that sounds pretty wise to me. But the problem with that is, is that we've been taught over the last couple of decades that experts can't be trusted. And uh, if you don't think that's true, I can prove that to you. Uh, when you start to feel unwell, you've got a, got a headache or something sort of hurts like your foot or your ankle or your hand or whatever, what, whatever it is, uh, what, do you, what do you do? Well, it's not go to the doctor. Uh, it's not even call the doctor. What do you do? You Google it. You Google the symptoms. And Google won't bring up the most accurate diagnosis it will bring up to the top of the list the things that most people agree on are the diagnosis. The website that most people go to with those symptoms. And you end up trusting the opinion of Mumsnet over a doctor's however many years of training. And doctors will tell you just how annoying that is. But they'll also tell you how stupid that is. We've stopped listening to experts and we've started listening to crowds, to consensus, to groupthink. But listen to the expert is really good advice. Now, perhaps our culture is changing again and we're starting to realize that. When someone claims, as Woman Wisdom does in this passage, to know what's right and wrong, what's good and evil, to know how we can flourish in this world, well, we may be sceptical because we've been trained to be. What's her authority? What does she know? What are her credentials? To which she says this, I was there. God's wisdom says, I was there when everything was made. Verse 22 to 31 are a wonderful poem where wisdom claims to, been, to have been a witness of God's creative process. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master workman. I was there, she claims. 
Now, it's important to clarify something um, at this point. It is not here that woman wisdom is a fourth member of the Trinity. Nor is it that wisdom is another name for the Son or the Spirit. Now, those views have been taken um, about this passage, but I don't think they're correct. Now, wisdom here is a quality possessed or even brought forth by the Lord. That is, that wisdom is an attribute of the Trinitarian creator God. In the New Testament, the Father, God the Father, is called the only wise God. God the Son is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And God the Spirit is called the Spirit of Wisdom. Father, Son and Spirit, all possessing perfect wisdom. When wisdom speaks in this poetic form in Proverbs 8, she speaks as the wisdom that the Trinitarian God possesses. His wisdom is a quality coming from his essential being. And this is what she says. I was there. I was there. God's wisdom predates the universe. She is ancient. She is old. She is all-knowing. She's seen it all from start to finish. God possessed her before he created matter, before an atom existed, and she saw it all being formed. She saw the blueprints of the great architects She sat with him as he drew it out and then brought it into reality. She witnessed the great order that he put into the fabric of the cosmos, the boundaries that he set, the the laws that he instituted to govern the universe with such precision. And as she saw the Lord make all that there is, she rejoiced. Verse 30. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Wisdom looked at the creation and thought, wow. She danced and laughed as she saw the wonder of what he had done to make this world and humanity as he did. It delighted her as she saw it all come together so perfectly. So what are her credentials? What is her authority to speak? Why should we listen to God's wisdom in his word? His wisdom on the subject of this world, what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil, how to flourish as human beings. Why should we listen? What's the authority Because she was there. God knows how the world works and how we work because God set in place the fabric of this world and every part of you and me. And that, of course, means that it's foolish to go against his wisdom. Because when we do, we run from life and into death. 
And that's how wisdom closes her speech in verse 32 to 36. Woman Wisdom now addresses the sons of Solomon directly and she urges them to make the right decision. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Right, confession time. Sometimes... I hear my wife talking, but I'm not really listening. She'll tell you that there are many conversations that she can recall that I've got no idea happened. And I'm sure you can all relate to that, whether you're a wife or a husband, father, mother, child, teacher, boss, whoever. We so often hear without listening, don't we? If we listened, if we believed what they said, if we thought what they said was wise then we'd act on it. But so often we don't do anything with what we've heard. And woman wisdom knows this, and so she pushes us to make a decision. The wisdom of God is stood before you, declaring to you the way to live. What will you do? Well, one thing that you might say, and what many people say, is, well, There are so many other voices out there. It's just so confusing. How do I know this voice is true? Listen, do you remember Pilate, the Roman governor, the one who oversaw the crucifixion of Jesus? At the trial of Jesus in John's Gospel, there are are all these different voices. There, There are different voices calling out all the way through Jerusalem with different views on who Jesus really is. And they all hate him, and they all want shot of him. Yet, if you read through John from beginning to end, it becomes clear that in Jesus, here is one who possesses God's wisdom perfectly. Standing before Pilate is the perfectly wise king who hates evil and loves justice and righteousness. Throughout the whole story, Jesus has been declaring his truth above the voice of the crowds, calling people to hear his words, trust him, and live. And that's why it's so sad that Pilate is so confused by it all. John 18, verse 33. Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? So he wants to see if Pilate truly believes it or whether he's just going off the voices of others out there and he's drawing him to make a decision. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, 
My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Sadly, Pilate cannot sift through all the competing voices. And in that famous despairing question, Pilate said to him, what is truth? See, Pilate hears, but he just doesn't listen. He doesn't get it. He rejects God's wisdom as he rejects Jesus as his king. And he's a fool, just like the rest of us. God's wisdom stands on the city walls by the gates and calls to fools like us and says, listen to me. I know how humanity can flourish in truth and justice. I know because I was there when everything was planned and made. I speak with authority as the voice of the Trinitarian creator God who put everything in place. And what I say is come under the rule of the only truly wise King, King Jesus. You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come knowing that we are simple, foolish people, people who have rejected your wisdom, people who have rejected your king. And Lord, we confess that to you and we ask for your forgiveness. Our Father, we thank you so much as we sang earlier on for the grace that you offer to failures. Lord, we have failed to be wise and we fall on you for grace and mercy. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us the wisdom to receive your forgiveness and then turn and live a life that pleases you. Help us to be wise. Help us, Lord, as we hear all the voices out there saying all sorts of different things. Help us to discern which of those voices are wise and which are foolish, which to listen to and which to reject. Lord God, help us to submit ourselves to your wise and holy word. In Jesus' name, amen.